When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Riddle. I'm here with Laura Heck. You know, in this episode, we're talking about kind of the big questions of life. Um, What's it all about? This comes up for a lot of couples, particularly when they're about to do the empty nesting phase. It's also just a condition of midlife, which has been on my mind a lot lately. Um, Turns out it's been on Laura's too. We're still having trouble solving her microphone problem. Good news is I think we figured it out. Bad news is her new mic doesn't arrive till tomorrow. So trust that you'll bear with us today. For now, this is a very cool conversation. Stick around. So I've had this really interesting experience. I moved to Bend about two and a half years ago. And I'm on this road trip and this road trip was really kind of designed around my son going back and seeing his best friend, his girlfriend who lived right next door to us. And so we're here in, in Salt Lake and having this experience that of feeling like really well known. And I didn't, I don't know. It's like, I've gone for two and a half years of not feeling well known, having a lot of fun friendships with people, but not having it be very deep or feeling like people know me very well. And then coming back to Salt Lake where for whatever reason, the relationships that I had here were quite deep. Maybe it was because of the life cycle I was in because Golden was young and, and that was just a tough time for me. And I was maybe more vulnerable. I don't know, but it's just been a really great experience, but also kind of strange of not recognizing going from not even knowing that it was an issue of not feeling well known to all of a sudden feeling like the people around me know me very well. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it's kind of made me a little, almost a little sad to go back to bend and have these, um, I wouldn't call them superficial relationships because they're great, but just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just this weird moment of having this experience here. You're still muted. Oh man. Sorry. I'm like, "Mm -hmm." yeah. I know. Oh, oh yeah, I get it. I'm doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like empathizing and listening and my mic's just not on. Not at all. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you're having a little bit of a moment, aren't you? It, sort of doing some reflection and, and kind of trying to figure out how to make sense of your life and your a, relationships. And your... That's such a good therapy response there. It's very reflective <laughs> I mean, of you. Yeah. I get it though, man. I, uh, I am having similar experience. I don't want to make it about me, but I think there's something really real about what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had therapy a couple weeks ago and, uh, or the last therapy session I had a couple weeks ago, I was really jarring for me. And it was because I got into a conversation with her about how much I long for high school reunion type experiences. Huh. 
or which is the experience of going to a place and just feeling known, feeling like you can just sort of be, they kind of just be who you are and people kind of go, that's who you are. And, and they like, and then unapologetically you, I think is kind of the way I want to experience it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm happy to think out loud with you about it. I think there's something about being able to be in a space. This is why I think the value of Salt Lake city is, this is what I think you're experiencing. Mm. It's anything like what I'm desiring, but it's like, you get to go, you get to kind of go be you. There are no consequences. And then you get to kind of go, okay, I'm out. And now I'm going to go back to my life and I'm going to be fuller with a little bit more full energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this thing where the, where like where you have to actually live your life mm-hmm. and do the stuff. And like, you have to have tension with people and you have to kind of grapple with tension. That, that's such a yeah. good, that's such a good word to describe kind of what it's, what's going on. Like I, I know that, you know, the people I've been spending time with here, it's such a short amount of time, but you know, I'm having dinner with a girlfriend and at one point, like the husband looks at his watch and he's like, Oh, it's eight o'clock. Like Lala's going to turn into a pumpkin. And number one, he uses my nickname, which makes me feel mm-hmm. seen and known, which is very interesting. This idea of nicknames. So he uses my nickname. He also knows, uh, he goes, would you like a coffee? And I was like, no, I got to get to sleep. And he said, Oh, come on. You and I both know you're going to be sound asleep by eight 30, regardless of what kind of caffeine you put in your body. And I sort yeah. of had that moment of, wow, like you, you know me, you know enough to joke around with me like that, but I don't, it's just, it's a weird experience. Like, um, and the reason why I'm talking about this idea of feeling known is because there's an actual topic I want to get into, but this is sort of the segue. Okay. <laughs> What's the point? Why are you talking about this? Uh, it's free therapy with Zach. That's why. Um, but it, it almost feels like a weight is lifted. Like I don't have to work so hard. Um, and yeah. in being who I am and having people just yeah. go, Oh, that's just you. And I still choose you. And I think in bend, I don't feel chosen yet for who I am. I'm still yeah. not really feeling like people see me and, and still choose me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Huh. I think you're, what you're describing too is, um, like, that everybody in your environment right now is choosing that it's more important to be connected and in sort of in our skin and peaceful than it is to like win an argument or advance a point of view yeah. or make a decision about swim lessons or like everybody is sort of suspending kind of the urgency of the day to make sure that you're just kind of like, you're just kind of chilling. Mm-hmm. Right. It's why, by the way, I fig- I've been thinking about this a lot. I figured out exactly how I would have read Richard Sherman in the in the hot tub. <laughs> but it's it's kind of like being in the hot tub with these people, some of these people that you don't know at all. Mm-hmm. But but you don't there aren't really any consequences. Like if you're kind of like, "Oh, I don't like this." You can be like, "Okay, bye." Mm-hmm. You know. And so you don't have to do the work of actually staying in the the day-to-day relationship with people that you're going to share a lot of future with. Yeah. I, I think that is just really real. Do you think, just a side note, but do you think that because so much of everything is virtual these days, even the relationships that you have with your coworkers is now virtual, that we're removing so many of the consequences of being in relationship with folks face-to-face that relationships are evolving in a, in a way that's maybe unhealthy of not truly feeling seen or known because of those consequences that are removed? I think the, I think the answer has to be, of course, okay. like of course it's, of course, when you remove layers of humanity from the equation, 
then it removes the stakes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can write you off a lot faster with a text message. Uh, yeah, a with a text time. message, or or even just with a, um, even with clients. Like I, I'm onboarding a couple of new clients right now, and it's some of it's online, and it just feels like I don't know if they're going to come back or not. And it's weird, even that I feel like anything at all about that. Like that's a new thing mm. for me too, because I do want to be in relationship with people. And so, so yeah, I get it when you're kind of feeling that you're sort of in a groove mm. that, that could be really, really, really lovely. And I, I appreciate, I'm glad for that for you. I mm-hmm. think I'm glad you're having that experience. Yeah. I, I think that just is more motivation. It's just information for me to recognize that I need to probably dig deeper and be more vulnerable and allow myself to be seen. Um, and maybe mm. just encourage that situation in salt and bend more, um, because I'm having that experience. Like I didn't realize it was as surface as it is until, mm-hmm. until I realized the depth that I had here. Okay. Let's transition to what I really want to talk about. <laughs> Can I tell you how I would meet Richard Sherman in the hot tub? How would you meet him? This is what I would do. Okay. I've been thinking about this a lot. Because I, I, I can appreciate your tension. What would happen is um, a football would land in front of me and splash me. Yeah. And some girl would say, hey, can I have that football back? And I go, yeah, but I don't know how to throw this football. And she'll say, you have to put your fingers on the laces. Right. Right. <laughs> this, this is, is the, the entire conversation that I had with yeah. Sherman. And then I would yeah. say, how do you know? Right. And 100%. she would say, because I know about football or something. And I'm yeah. like, no, you don't. She would, say, my dad, she would say my dad plays football or something. And I would say, uh-huh. I'd say your dad's no good at football. He's right there, by the way. He's right next to her. Okay. He can hear this conversation yeah. go down. Your dad's not any good at football. Yeah. You know, who's really good at football. And then I would say something like Michael Crabtree, who Richard Sherman sure. hates. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, Michael Crabtree is really good at football. Uh-huh. And he would laugh and she would look at me like I was st- stupid. Right. And then She's like, now, she, I have no idea who Crabtree is. And now he and I would be best friends. You think so? It'd be yeah. just like that? Just like that. Mm. <laughs> I think that you would probably be best friends if you were to be like, hey, little girl, that's a really sweet little swimsuit. <laughs> no, that's, that's going that down. That sounds creepy. Another. Yeah, I know. It, I, like, <laughs> as I started to say it, I was like, this is not going the way I think it would go. All right. All right. Here. Anyway, I needed to get that off my chest. You know that Zach and I are huge fans of getting support, and that is why we have partnered with BetterHelp to put you in contact with licensed professional counselors in your area. Tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced counselors who can help you with a range of issues, including depression, anxiety, trauma, grief, relationships, and more. With BetterHelp's counselors, you get the same professionalism and quality that you would expect from an in-office counselor. With the ability to communicate when and how you want, whether it be messaging through the phone or video conferencing. The matching process is quick but thorough. Look, I know that a lot of therapists are booked out and difficult to get into, but don't let that stop you from getting the support that you need. The cost is less than half of what Zach and I charge, which is kind of unheard of. And when you register with BetterHelp, you are supporting Marriage Therapy Radio. Go to trybetterhelp.com MTR. So it's trybetterhelp.com forward slash MTR to register with BetterHelp. T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P.com forward slash M-T-R, and you receive a special discount as a Marriage Therapy Radio listener. 
I'm excited about your topic today, to be honest, because it's it's right in my uh, sort of personal obsession wheelhouse. So let's do it. Well, it's kind of the phase a little bit of what you're going through. So what I'm wanting to talk yes. about is this idea of empty nest syndrome. And the way that I would say is, you know, when you're thinking about empty nest, you're doing kind of several things at once. You're taking a family unit and you're changing the structure. So you have a child or multiple children leaving the home. So that changes the structure and that changes the family dynamic a lot. But you also are changing the dynamic then between parent and child. And then you're also changing the relationship between parent and parent, where now you're having to reconnect and sort of figure out how do we navigate going to a place where we're no longer necessarily active parents in the role that we once were focused on the kids, but now we're back to being lovers and the piece that I really want to focus on because we're couples therapists is that dynamic. And so I want to say, I recognize that there's a lot going on. You have a family structure, you have the structure between parent and child. I want to talk about specifically the couple. What do you do to either prepare or maybe you're in the midst of what's going on with empty nest? And how do you keep that relationship humming along, preparing for that or strengthening it in the midst of it? That's what I want to get your opinions on your thoughts. Why do you want to talk about that? Like, where, where is that coming from for you? So it's coming from, um, I'm headed to Connecticut to actually do a workshop with okay. uh, the Young Presidents Organization. And I, I think that there's a lot going on because of that. You have a lot of, uh, at least one, one person in the household is in a place of like real position of power and mm. um, busyness and focus on career because they're presidents or leaders in their organization. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm doing a workshop for for couples on this specific life cycle mm -hmm. phase. Yeah. So there's, and there's of course a second part of that, which we don't have to get into, but usually around the time the nest begins to empty those employees um, are beginning to think about the end of their career. Right. There's also retirement sort of. Thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You know, so for me, the reason, a lot of the reason this is on my mind is because yes, I have an emptying nest, right? Like I've got one that's in college and she was just home for like a week or so. And so just thinking about how to parent another adult, like now, a, uh, well, just parent an adult period. Yeah. It's crazy. I think I'm also like, my new thing is like, I'm almost 50. I'm almost 50. I'm almost 50. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm really grappling with like this, this midlife. Uh, I don't even want to call it a crisis. I, I feel like it's more like a midlife reality um, or a midlife mm -hmm. situation. Um, <laughs> it turns out, I've been reading a lot about this. It turns out this is kind of a big deal. Like in psychology, uh -huh. they've given a lot of attention to the, the transition into midlife. Like um, what have you been all reading? the way back to like Freud and Jung. Like, no, I'm like really learning a lot about how to put words to things that I'm feeling anyway. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, this is the beginning of my answer, is a lot of it is around specifically around role confusion. Okay. Like, well, we establish these roles, right? Like yeah. you... Um, as parent or as uh, you know, thriving career individual or mm -hmm. as um, or it's like primary caregiver is a big yeah. one, right? But we, but you know, those roles also include uh, identities around our libido or identities around our finances or identities around our, <sighs> there's you know, another life cycle. So you have totally. one person retiring, you might have another person going through menopause. Uh, I mean, there's totally. a lot well, going on. Women, women 
in particular have a very specific signal about midlife, right? They're sort of like, Hey, for X number of years, let's say 50, you, uh, well, minus the first, the pre-puberty well, ones, right? like for 50 years, you are a childbearing mm-hmm. cre- creature. Mm-hmm. And now you're not, mm-hmm. now you don't, now you are not that. And yeah. listen, by 50, maybe most people have decided they don't even want to have children. That's not actually what I'm talking about, but just the, the sense of, I was a thing and now I'm not the thing anymore. Yeah. Or, or I was a thing and now I'm a new thing. Um, mm-hmm. But what is that so, new thing? That's that, exactly. That is the problem. Yes. That I agree what with you. What is that new thing? Mm-hmm. There's, um, I've talked about this and uh, a book called the second mountain. Have you heard of the second mountain? You've talked to me about the second mountain. I, I downloaded it on audible, but I don't drive anywhere long enough to be able to. Yeah, I know. Tarn you, COVID, taking away my transportation time. Um, You could go for walks, but yeah, I mean, he kind of talks about the new thing. So you spend a lot of your time right in the roles of what you have taken on. I've taken on the role of I have a I'm a childbearing years. I'm going to bear some children, and I'm also my role is caretaker. I'm going to make sure that these kids are well fed. Make sure that when they're going to school, like they have all the things that they need, whatever that might be. You climb that first mountain. Boom, 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 boom. You hit the top of the mountain and you're like, wow, look at all the things that I've accomplished. And you get to the top and you have this experience of like, but why don't I feel fulfilled? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't I hit all the things that I said I need to hit? I'm 50 years old, going through menopause. My kids are leaving the house. They're all successful going off to beautiful universities that I would always hope for them to go to whatever, right? Like you've hit, Mm -hmm. you've gotten to the top and you look around and you're like, I thought that this was going to feel a lot better than it does. Totally. I thought I was going to feel that feeling of like summiting. And what he talks about is there's actually a second mountain. And that's what I'm talking about is like, what does the second mountain look like? And how can you and your partner like link arms and and master that second mountain together? Um, Because I think that there is a lot of dividing and conquering that occurs during that first mountain. If you think about what it takes to get to summit it. Um, And so now I'm thinking about how do we make that transition where it's just the two of you again. It's kind of like you're at the bottom of that first mountain again, but now you're at the bottom of the second mountain. You have a bank yeah. full of money. Hopefully uh, yeah. you got a lot more intelligent from experiences that you had over the last 20 years together. And what's the new role? Like, are you carrying 70% of the weight on your back uh, and your partner's wearing, carrying 30%? Are you at the point now where you can carry 50, 50? I'm just thinking of this like mountaineer, mountaineering yeah. metaphor. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, you know, my, my first answer won't surprise anyone. It's just, it's the idea of like, as early as possible, make sure you identify your priorities on the first mountain, mm-hmm. right? Like I have a new client right now who is 35 and retiring. Yeah. Um, has, has the first 15 years of her career, she just made more money than she knew what to do with. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but did it in a way that was, um, that was so, sort of singularly focused. Like I was sort of focused on my career and yeah. so therefore not my relationships. And so here she is now trying to figure out how to do relationship mm-hmm. and it is confusing and challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's almost, there's some grief there because I did this mountain thing. I conquered it. I did it. Right. I did it. Yeah. And, and now I don't, and now I'm like, what am I supposed to do with the rest? You know? So that mm-hmm. is a, but okay. So fast forward to, you know, 45, 55, you're having that same experience, but 
but you're not in the prime of your health. You're not in the prime of your energy. You don't have a whole lot of like, um, you know, at 35, you have 50, maybe 55 years to look at, you know, sure. you cut that in half. It's a little bit more despairing. So you have to deal also with just the sense of mortality. And so all of that to say, my primary bias is make sure that you as soon as possible can identify what the first mountain really is about for you. Um, and I think we label things like mm. career success or children's success or getting your kids into the right school or, yeah. you know, whatever without really going. But what I really want is solid relationships. What mm -hmm. I really want is to be like deeply connected to my wife or my husband. What I really want is to make sure that I'm raising. I mean, we all know really smart, you know, athletic kids that are also assholes, like raising really, really emotionally intelligent or really, um, you know, kids that I'm proud of their character instead of just their accomplishments. And mm -hmm. that's easy. That's harder to do than it is to say, <laughs> just because the world is telling us this is how you measure whether or not you did it, whether right. or not you did it. Yeah. You know? The measure of success. And I think that, you know, oftentimes we're, we're chasing what we think we want with that first mountain and we set up on our, on our path and without being intentional, this is why I think, you know, Bill Doherty wrote the intentional family and he's talking about how to be intentional in coming together, uh, you know, in creating sort of this structure. And if you're not intentional, life takes over and you're just kind of like plotting up this mountain, one foot in front of the other, not really looking at how will I know when I get to the top? And yeah. at some point you get to the top, your kids are gone and new research is coming out. We all think like, okay, who is it most difficult? Like if I was to say like, who do you think emptiness syndrome is most difficult for in, in a family structure? Do you think it's most difficult for a mom, a dad, a kid? And sort of the traditional structure. Um, I think it's probably most difficult for her mm -hmm. would be my guess. And in the um, 70s, in, the, in this like yeah. the standard stereotype vision that I have, hundred percent. That's where I would start. Right. And that, I mean, this, this whole like emptiness syndrome was kind of coined by sociologists in the seventies. And when you look at like, what, what were family structures like in the seventies, you had a more of a traditional role where women were not working. Um, they were more in the home and their sort of identity was around uh, nurturing and growing these children. Yeah. And then you take that job away, uh, meaning that you have these independent beings leaving the nest. And yes, so traditionally females syndrome experience was for females experiencing this loss, this depression, this like um, angst. Uh, but what they're actually finding is that it's now current day. It's actually more difficult for men. And the, the loss that they're experiencing is that there is a grieving process of, I wasn't as present as I wish I had been. Mm. I, what I didn't, you know, do the things for my children that I wish I had done. And there's this, um, regret that a lot of men are experiencing. Yeah. And so the syndrome is actually more prevalent for men. And, and this whole grieving process, I think this is an important piece is how do you as a couple manage a grieving process that looks different for both of you? Yeah. And, and it is a grieving process. And, it, and, and also, you could be really excited that your children yeah. are leaving, right? Like, finally, I get to do the things I've always wanted to do. And yeah. I'm really sad and remorseful for the last 18 years that I wasn't present. Yeah. 
I mean, grief is a funny thing. I mean, it's not a funny thing. It's really complicated. <laughs> it can be. I think it's, is that a stage in the grief process? Is humor? No. <laughs> maybe. Um, I do think, though, like there is a measure of grief that ha- that's required. And maybe that's part of the gift, right? Where you do kind of acknowledge and, and appreciate that you, maybe you didn't get it right the first time. But thank goodness there's a second mountain. And it, interestingly, like as I think about the implications for me, <clears throat> my kid is beginning to think about the first mountain. Right. right. So it's like, I can go, Oh, maybe I should like really steward that a little bit differently. Maybe that's the way that I repent. Um, but again, we don't want to talk about strictly how to be a parent in this space as much as how to be a partner. And I think mm-hmm. this mountain climbing thing is interesting because I was just talking to a couple yesterday about this sort of this and thinking about, they were trying to accomplish a, a, a kind of conversation in their relationship. And they were thinking about, you know, how do I make sure that I, that we do this and okay, hold on. Where's, how did, how did this unfold for them? I said, I, I was listening to the conversation. I said, Hey, as far as you know, right now, the conversation that you're having, does it feel like you're collaborating or does it feel like you're competing? Mm. Specifically, they were talking about how to manage their different preferences around household stuff. Um, like do, how much should they do versus how much should they pay for kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so I said, and and I and, and I'm, they weren't competing, but I wanted them to latch on to the idea that they were collaborating almost like this, which is I said, it's almost like you both have to say, hey, we have this job to do. And the job in this case was um, repair a sewer line and, uh, you know, take care of the roof or something. We have this job to do. And we both have this like b- these boxes of supplies. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's got a $500 bonus that she just got. And he's got some extra time or he's got some tools that he received from his dad. And she's got some, uh, a good referral from his such and such. And he's got this desire to accomplish. And she has this desire to go on a three, three day hike. And so all of those things were sort of in competition with each other as they thought about the sewer line and the roof, right? Like, what are we going to hire? What are we going to do out? And I was like, it's almost like, so this is my point. When, when you're approaching midlife or when you're approaching, say the empty nest, like you can see it coming. It's not a surprise. It doesn't sneak up on you. It's almost like you have to have a regular check-in around what's in our box right now. Mm-hmm. Like what is in our boxes mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of what are we trying to accomplish? Cause I've got all this money that I earned in my career and you've got all this expertise around how to manage a house. And I've got all this other thing and you've got this stuff and you have yeah. a desire to go to Ireland. And I really want to make sure that I, you know, run my marathon finally. And like, there's sort of all of this stuff in the box mm-hmm. that we need to pull out and kind of look at. Yeah. Like almost like, almost like we're standing over top of it on the floor and go, look at all this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, what, maybe that will help us do, you know, the first part where we pay for our kids school, you know, Oh, well, look at that 529 plan. I've been investing in, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but that all has to be in collaboration because I think the second we dig into the woe is me notion of, our sort of identity crisis, it pits us, it pits us against our partner, right? This is, I mean, this is so helpful to hear you talk through this because I am kind of thinking like you get to the top of the mountain and you look at each other and like one of you has been just working your ass off, right? Mm -hmm. You put it all on your back and you like, you've been just, just trying to like your goal the whole time is to get to the top of the mountain. And your partner's goal the whole time was, I want to smell the flowers. I want to take some really cool pictures mm-hmm. on the way up. Just taking mm-hmm. it easy. When you get to the top of the mountain, he has no reserve left in him. And she's just like, man, 
what's, what's next? I'm so pumped. Yeah. Like, let's not bunk down here. Let's keep going. And I think it's really helpful to recognize how different each of you could potentially be when you get to that mountain. And like you said, it's not a competition. It's in collaboration. Like get curious. So, you know, that I, I think talking, we talk about like love mapping, like get, get in the habit of talking to each other about how it just is. Don't judge it. Just open up your boxes, pull everything out and like get, get organized, like figure out what you got in your boxes or in your backpacks, yeah, think, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think, I think, the crisis comes from a lack of readiness, a lack of readiness to move on, right? Like uh, here I am, I'm, I'm making this transition. Okay. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. So what am I going to do? I'm going to buy a convertible or I'm going to have an affair or I'm going to move to like, I'm going to go on a walkabout in Australia. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm not ready. I want to mm -hmm. still feel like, I'm, not, you know, and so part of this box metaphor is really about kind of just getting ready and making sure okay. that you know what's sort of in the, in, in, in the, in the, like what your options are. Mm -hmm. um, and some of that might be grief. Totally. You know, I need to grieve. I need to grieve because I don't have mm -hmm. my friends. Like I have a guy right now, again, going through uh, sort of the latter part of what we might define as midlife, but he's, he's lost three friends to COVID or heart attack or to an accident mm -hmm. within the span of this last two years. And he's like, all my friends are dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what to do about that. It's, it's definitely a challenge. Of course, and of course, it's a challenge too when you have this really, really strong sense of purpose. I'm really clear about my purpose. My purpose yeah. is to raise these children, right? Or make this money, mm -hmm. you know. But strong uh, sense of purpose, and then it gets and then it gets removed. Yeah, I've, I've uh, yeah, I've sort of. Oh, what am I going to do with all this money? Mm -hmm. You know. But I think like, if you strip it away, like, yeah, you had a strong sense of purpose that was informed by values that you had. Like maybe your mm -hmm. value is. I'm here to put individuals in this world that are going to leave this world better than how it, you know, began 20 years ago. And so if you strip it away, it's like, well, that's what you've chosen to do is to raise these kids with this value system. But how do you get more granular, go back to square one and say, well, what was the value? The value is I want to, I want to like really make this place, this world a better place. There's a million ways that you can go about doing it. And you've just chosen to make this world a better place by raising really beautiful humans that can go and do forth better, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, also identifying, getting back down to your values. Like, what do you truly value? And you have been purposeful in activating those values in a very specific way for the last 20 years. But now that that action item has been removed, whether it be like you, you're starting to retire. And so you don't have that action item in the workplace. So you don't have that action item with your children. What are the values and how can you activate those values in a different way? I think that would yeah, be really totally. helpful. Yeah. And I think to me that comes down to, like, I was thinking about your question, which is what do you do? And I think it's anything, something, right. Um, when when the when your responsibilities are relaxed and you start to have less sort of boundaries on the outside, it's easy to feel untethered and lost. And so yeah. you need to add something. Is that now that you're going to be? Is you're going to learn something new? Or you're going to volunteer somewhere? Are you going to mm -hmm. decide that rather than go on vacation once a year, you're going to go on vacation four times a year, even if mm -hmm. that vacation is just a few days to learn a new space? Um, are we going to learn a new language? Are we going to, you know, watch the hundred best movies of all time? I think there's something about saying. This is where, this is what I think 
we get when we don't have ways to mark and measure time, right? It's really easy to feel lost and and totally disoriented. So mm-hmm. you know, find ways to mark and measure time. You know that are consistent with your values. The problem is a lot of people don't know what their values are. Right. A lot of people don't have any idea. I had this really interesting question, and I won't remember it exactly, but it was sort of this idea that if you lost everything today, your house is on fire, your family got, you know, whatever, something terrible happened to your family, you had no more money, you had, you know, who would you be? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's who you are. At your core. I mean, that's, I mean, realistically, um, like, would you be the person who rolled over and died? Would you be the person who, like, started a new business? Would you be the person who tried to clean up the rubble with everybody else? I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's millions of mm-hmm. options, but that's who you are. And then how do you, cause, and, and then that's kind of what happens when you hit midlife, sort of your family goes away, your house isn't mm-hmm. the same, your identity is, you know, is, is vanishes. Um, yeah. So who are you? Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I think there's more to unpack here because I think what we're nailing on is like, it's the preparedness. It's the readiness. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That can be really angsty. Um, it's the identification of your values and getting back to it. It's the collaboration of pe- two people that are in two totally different spaces in their life. It's the grief that you need to um, endure and continue to go through of loss of identity or loss of purpose or loss of relationship. Um, and we, like, what do you do with all of that? There's still, I think a yeah. lot more to unpack, but we yeah. kind of scratching the surface. It's a big <laughs> deal. Uh, it turns out it is a big deal. It turns out people have been writing about this for centuries. <laughs> it's actually, I mean, it's the, it's the riddle of the Sphinx. Do you know the riddle of the Sphinx? No. The riddle of the Sphinx. It's the classic sort of mythological riddle is what walks on four legs in the morning, two legs in the afternoon and three legs in the evening. Mm, yeah. The riddle of the Sphinx is about the transition to midlife right. because it's a human, right? It's man. They're crawling in the morning. They're walking yeah. on two legs in the afternoon and they have a cane at a cane in the evening. But yeah, no, this is a, this is a big deal. And I think it's worth paying attention to. And mm-hmm. I, as I am almost 50, it is on my mind quite a bit, yeah. not so much the mid, the like, empty nest part, but as definitely the, um, who am I right now? Like mm-hmm. what, and who am I going to be? Because this is, this is a weird part of life. Yeah. It's, I've been having a lot of conversations with folks. Uh, my friends are all kind of killing it and just, you know, we're in like our late thirties, early forties and talking to them. I'm like, what's going on? How are you, how are you doing? And the response I keep getting to from them is when it comes to work is autopilot, do less, do less. I'm unmotivated. What's the next thing? I'm kind of hit the part where I'm crushing it and it doesn't take much effort and I'm bored and I'm not going to, hustle, uh, anymore, basically. Um, and I'm like, okay, so this is why people hire recent college grads because they're, they hustle They're and they're hard workers. And then you have your late thirties, early forties folks that are just like, Oh, look, I kind of, I did it. I got to the the point where I can just sort of like put it on autopilot, but that's, it's weird. It's weird. People are uncomfortable with desire and hope. It's weird to get to a part where you go, I can, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do anything. Right. And listen, I know, I know that there are people who are struggling and have to hustle their whole lives. I get it. I don't mean to dismiss that by any yeah. means, but it is a weird thing for people to get to a part where they can start to talk about what they want to do mm-hmm. versus what they have to do. And uh, because we're not, we don't, we don't have a very healthy relationship with desire, I think, and hope, um, which I guess maybe is a whole nother can of worms, but. So maybe a good place to start out with is 
like you said, you strip it all away and you just say, what do you want? What do you want? What do you desire? What would bring you joy? And I think also too, like just what brings you purpose? I was at the zoo. This is like, and I know we want to land this, but we just keep kind of moving into another. I was at the zoo and I said to my son, don't these animals look bored? Don't they look kind of sad? And I just said to him, they're in these boxes and they're way too small. And this is a beautiful, beautiful zoo. And it's about as good as it gets. And I said, I think they need a purpose. I think that would bring them joy. They need a job. And so every, every hour, you know, a different exhibit would have animals doing tricks. And he said, why do they teach these animals to do tricks? And I said, because they need purpose. They need to be busy. They need to activate their brains and like keep those active because they're not out trying to catch their prey and do all of those things that they normally would do. Mm -hmm. And it just was one of those things where I'm like, man, that's what brings us joy. It's like, we are purpose-filled people. Did you ever read The Purpose Driven Life? Back in the day I, when it came out 20 years ago. Is that the Jesus-y book? Yeah, it's Jesus-y. Um, yeah, no, I read about maybe 14 pages of that book and I was like, nope. Now I'm going to have him on the podcast. I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, but I think we do need purpose. I think that's that's the whole point is that you have to have the drive and the motivation to climb that second mountain and yeah, having that totally. purpose. Right on. You want to land this? Sure. Yeah. That was a good talk, Laura. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Coming to you live from Salt Lake City, Utah on vacation. You're like, you've been on vacation for like nine episodes in a row. People are going to be like, what is, what's she complaining about? I know, (laughs) right? I think Laura has no purpose in her life. We'll give you purpose, Laura. Oh man, it's true. I have been on vacation a lot lately. It's not vacation when your kid's on spring break and your husband's working. That's called parenting and that's no vacation. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, let's land it. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio, coming to you from live from Salt Lake City, Utah and Seattle, Washington. Uh, I did want to remind you that if this is like a life stage that you are going through and you're going, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. It might be helpful to just talk this through and go through the grieving process if that's what you need to go through or identify your values or find your identity and your purpose, whatever that might be. If it's helpful to do that with another person, a therapist, a counselor in your area, we highly recommend partnering with BetterHelp. So if you go to trybetterhelp.com forward slash MTR, you get a discount. Um, and that's how you can access a therapist in your area. And you can communicate them how, with them however you want via text, email, phone call, video chat, access to therapists in your area. Thanks so much for all of your time and your attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.